Good morning. It's good to see everyone out this morning. I'll ask you if you'll stand with me as we start our service by singing, I Stand Amazed in the Presence. Amen. I pray that we indeed do stand amazed at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, how do we stand amazed at him? Well, it begins at the cross. Think about how he stood in your place. And, and he was alone, as we just sang about, alone on the cross. Even, even he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Father looked away from the Son as Jesus was alone there on the cross, bearing the price for my sin 
and for yours. And I pray that that amazes us today. Let's be amazed at the amazing grace of God and the wonderful love of God. And that's why we're here this morning, and I welcome you. It's so good to see you here today. The sunshine is shining outside. It's a cold winter's morning. But you know, worship does the heart good. It warms the heart. And I'm grateful that we can gather this morning and worship the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as we just sang about, be amazed. And, uh, and one day, we'll see Him face to face. I love that last verse of that hymn. We'll see Him face to face. Our, our faith will be turned to sight. And what a glorious sight that that will be. We'll lead this world and we'll be forever with Him in glory in a perfect place called heaven. And I just got word this morning I wanted to share with, with our church family that uh, Miss Evelyn Beeson has gone home to be with the Lord. And uh, she was our, our, our most senior member, 101 years old. She just celebrated her 101st birthday. And, and as I was thinking about that last verse, you know, we see Jesus face to face. Imagine what Miss Evelyn is beholding right now in the presence of um, her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and the Lord is our shepherd. He's faithful all the way. And I uh, called Miss Evelyn home. So I wanted to share that with our church family. And I know we have several folks that are uh, quarantined this morning and those that have, have battling or are battling COVID. And um, I know Dennis Jackson is one of those. And he sent me a text and said, I got a solid eight and a half hours of sleep last night. Praise the Lord. He's on his way. And that, that sleep is so, that rest is so important. And I know the Whitmires are, are, are quarantined. And, and uh, I know I know Miss Dina is. And, and the, um, also um, uh, the... Um, uh, Collins family and, and just just so like Matt and Kimbo Kiesler I know are have, have are quarantined and and uh, just praying that, that that the Lord would touch and bring healing to those that are sick and we want to uh, mention them and in, in, in prayer and of course the Evelyn Beeson families I've, I've just mentioned and and I continue to pray for Jean Watson as well as she's recovering from her stroke and Miss Patsy Morris and and remember all our shut-in as well uh, Joe Hunter is our shut-in of the week and um, we have his information in the bulletin if you'd like to send him a card and uh, let him know that you're thinking about him and praying for him. I know he would, he would enjoy that. And uh, for those of you that are watching online, we're glad that you are joining us as well. I know many of you, as we've said, uh, perhaps are not here because you're quarantined and, and uh, aren't feeling well. And so we're praying for you. We miss you. And, and I pray that the Lord would touch and, and uh, would be merciful. And uh, we just want you to know that. Uh, but if you... Uh, would look on our website on, under the info section. Uh, you'll, you'll see the bulletins there. So as I mentioned, these shut-in of the week, uh, you can pull up the, the bulletins and uh, find the information that's listed there as well. But it's good to be here today. And as we think about Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, which is today, um, we think about how all life is valuable. All human life is, we're created in the, in the image of God. And uh, we'll be looking at Psalm 139 this morning and and uh, we'll be reminded of how the hand of God is, is involved even in the womb. He knit us together in our mother's womb, the psalmist declares. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. All human life is, is valuable. And uh, we think about Miss Evelyn. You know, she came to her, her final days and her life uh, here on earth it was valuable. And then the Lord called her home. And we all have that appointment with death. And we don't, we don't understand that, but God calls us home when it's his time. And so... All human life, from the womb all the way to the final days, uh, we believe is sacred and is valuable as, cre as we are created in the image of God. And um, here on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, we do have a, a box out there at the vestibule. 
and you'll find these, uh, these blue or these pink uh, plastic uh, replica pacifiers. And I encourage you to take one of these. If you wanted to take it and lay it on your coffee table or lay it on, on your desk at work or your desk at home or, or wherever, and uh, it's just a reminder to pray for the unborn. And we're going to do that here in just a moment. But I pray the, that God would have mercy on our nation and that the day would come where abortion would be illegal in our nation. Now, I know that this is a political issue, and that this, this morning is not political at all. We just, we're, we're celebrating life, and, um, and we just want to pray for those and defend those that can't defend themselves. And so I just remind you about this. Let's be in prayer. I hope you'll take one of these as a reminder uh, to pray for, for the unborn. Uh, this morning, I'm delighted to have Miss Kelly Fowler. Uh, she came to me several weeks ago and uh, shared that, uh, that she was impressed of the Lord to share her story. And you know, this is a God story this morning that Kelly is going to be sharing with us. And so uh, I appreciate Kelly coming this morning and uh, willing to share her story about life this morning. And uh, thank you, Kelly, for coming and being willing to share with us this morning. testimony um, Donna had come to us and she said I would like somebody you know to do your cardboard testimony and I was thinking I don't really have a testimony I was like yeah I'm not really I'm not gonna worry about it um, you know I'm just gonna go about my way begin the program and just not do anything so when Wednesday night she was saying you know again we need cardboard testimonies she was like it can be anything from miscarriage and I was like okay all right, God, I hear you talking to me. So I told her that I would. Um, it's kind of a, a touchy situation with me, so if I kind of cry during it, just overlook me, I'll, I'll be okay. <laughs> but um, ever since then, in doing the cardboard testimony, um, God, he was just landing on my heart. He was like, Kelly, you need to give your testimony. Kelly, you need to give your testimony. And I kept fighting him, and I was like, no, mm-mm. No, I'll sing all day, but I will not talk. And so God, he just kept on just tugging at my heart, tugging at my heart. And I was like, okay, God, you got my attention. And I was like, just let me pray about it. So a good friend of mine, um, known her for several, several years, um, she come up to me and she said, Kelly, I need you to pray for me. She said, I just had a miscarriage. My heart broke, broke. And I was like, okay. I was like, you know what? If I don't do it for myself, I was like, I need to do it for other people that has been through this and, you know, they need to know that God is there. God is with them the whole entire step. So to tell you a little bit about what me and Kevin have been through, I was told that I would never have kids. I was told that I, that I couldn't. Me and Kevin, we got married in May of 1999, and it took several years of us trying to have a, have a child. Um, I finally, we finally went to a fertility specialist, had my cheese checked. He put us on like some fertility medicine and everything. And in November of 2007, I found out that I was pregnant. 
we went for several visits and everything um, to the fertility's, you know, doctor and everything, and he confirmed, you know, that I was pregnant. But he told us that my pregnancy was really close to my cheeks and that he did not know if I would be able to carry the baby or not. So in all of this, he kind of pulled Kevin to the side, and he told Kevin, he was like, the pregnancy is very close to her cheeks, and that if she should start to have a miscarriage, that her cheeks can rupture, she can bleed to death, you could lose her and the baby. Kevin was like, okay, I understand that. We talked about it, and we was like, you know what? It is what it is. God gave us this baby, and, you know, we'll go, and we'll have it. And we're just going to trust God that everything is going to be fine. But he told Kevin, he said, if for some reason she starts bleeding, get her to the hospital ASAP. So around Christmas time, I started bleeding wasn't very bad or anything. We went back to the fertility specialist, and he was like, yes, he said, you're having a miscarriage. He said, um, you can either have a DNC, or you can just let God take control and, you know, let nature work its course, and that's what we decided to do. So on, on New Year's Eve 2007, I had a miscarriage. It was very devastating. You know, I thought something that I wanted for so long, you know, it was shattered, you know, it was broken. So at the time, you know, we were like, we had no closure, you know, um, you know, someone dies, you have a funeral, it's your closure. Well, you know, with a miscarriage, we did not have a closure. So Kevin come to me one day and he said, why don't we plant a bush? He said, and this bush is for our baby. Because at the time, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, you know, or anything. I wasn't that far along. So we went to Lowe's. We bought a bush, planted it at the corner of the house. Um, like I say, the miscarriage was in December of 2007. Every December, this bush blooms. And it has pink buds on it. So, I mean, you know, I just take that as a sign from heaven. I mean, you know, saying that it's okay. So, at the time, we were like, okay, whatever happens, it happens. Put it in God's hands. I'm not taking any more medicine. I'm done with that. If God wants us to have a child, we will have a child. In 2008, we were in Pigeon Forge with my family. And I just thought that I was just still kind of tired from the miscarriage. I thought I was you know, maybe getting sick with a stomach virus or, you know, something like that. We walked into Flapjacks, which I'm pretty sure, you know, most of you know that as a pancake house, you know, we walked in there on Sunday morning. I thought I was going to throw up. And I was like, God, I said, Kevin, this smells awful. And he was like, what? I was like, nothing, just don't worry about it. I'm just probably getting sick. I ain't worried about it. We went in on the, we went ahead and ate, went into Gatlinburg that day, walked around Gatlinburg before we come home. Everywhere we looked, pink, blue, pink, blue, pink, blue. And I thought, okay, God, are you trying to tell me something? So we went on home. At the time, I worked at a dentist's office. I'd worked there for like 15 years. The dental smell had never bothered me in the dentist's office. Never. I walked in on a Monday morning. I went straight to the bathroom and threw up. 
procedures that day that I had done forever. Nothing bothered me. Every procedure, I had to run to the bathroom, and I was sick. My boss was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I had no clue. I was like, I don't know. I was like, I had no clue. So some of the girls there, you know, she was like, I think you might need to go get you a pregnancy test. After work, went and got a pregnancy test. Sure enough, I was pregnant. Kevin was working at Miss Alice's at the time. I went over there, and I told him, I was like, um, I'm pregnant. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. So I went ahead and called the, um, the fertility specialist again, even though we went and see him, you know, I was still under them. And I said, told them, you know, that I had took a pregnancy test, and they was like, you need to come in and get some um, blood work done. I was like, okay. Come in, got blood work done, confirmed the pregnancy. They just said, you need to come back in a couple of days. I was like, okay. Come back in a couple of days. Y'all, my numbers had tripled. I said, is that, like, normal? She was like, well, maybe. I was like, maybe? I was like, am I having twins? And she was like, mm, no, I don't know. I was like, yeah, okay. So we went in for the ultrasound, and it was me and Kevin. We was listening to the heartbeat. She was measuring stuff, all this kind of stuff. And she was like, you know, this is the heartbeat of the baby. You know, we're listening to everything. And she's like, would you like to hear it again? I was like, sure, yeah, I want to hear the baby's heartbeat again. She flipped it back over, and she said, this is the heartbeat of baby B. <laughs> Y'all, I said straight up on that table, I said, what did you just say? And she said, the heartbeat of baby B. I was like, twins? And she said, yes, ma'am. I was like, I looked at Kevin, and I said, twins what I was like no way <laughs> he was like I mean he was just as shocked as I was so on the way home I called my mom and I was like hey mom I was like everything is great yes I'm pregnant we did the ultrasound and all four of us are wonderful she was like oh good I'm so glad she said what's your due date I said December um December the 9th no the 12th sorry and um, she was like, oh, great. She's like, I'm so glad everything is going good. I said, well, I'm going to have to see the high-risk doctor, you know, just because of the, you know, problems that I've had and everything. I said, but everything should be good. Hung up the phone. She called me right back, and she said, did you say four? I said, mm-hmm, I did. And she said, four. I said, yes, Mom, four. And she said, okay, baby, you, and Kevin. I said, mm-hmm, and another baby. She said, What? I said, we're having twins, Mom. And she was like, oh, my. So in May, we found out that we were having a boy and a girl. In June, um, it was kind of at the end of the work day. Um, like I say, I had worked um, at a dentist office for, uh, like, 15 years. And I come up to him, and me and Kevin had kind of been talking about, like, daycare, you know, and stuff like that. And my mom said... She said, if you can work something out with your boss, she said, I'll keep the kids two days a week. And she said, and then, you know, you won't have to do daycare. She said, if he'll just let you work two days a week. I was like, okay, that's fine. So I went in, we talked about it, kind of had a little disagreement because I was the head assistant, the lead assistant. He didn't really want me going out, you know, all this kind of stuff. So we kind of had a little disagreement and just kind of left it at that. At the end of that day, um, we went to look at a truck um, in Woodruff for Kevin and his mom and dad was with us and everything and you know Kevin was going to buy the truck so me and Kevin was going to drive it home 
and he got out to look at the truck and he said Kelly come look at the truck and I said okay so I get out something didn't feel right and I thought hmm something, something's not exactly right here I went and I took my hands and I put them between my legs and y'all when I come up I have blood all over my hands so I called the doctor she told me to come straight to the hospital and um, they did an ultrasound and everything and it was so funny because during the ultrasound Kaylee her little hand just went across the ultrasound like hey mom everything's fine you know and so what had happened is um, they said probably from the stress that I had at work and the little disagreement that I had that day it caused me to have a tear in on the placenta of baby A, which was Kason. So I had a couple of nights stay in the hospital, had to be monitored, and they told me that I was on bed rest until further notice. And bless Kevin's heart, he would go to work, he would come home, he would cook this big, huge meal, take care of everything in the house, and he would bring it to me and he'd set it down in front of me, and I would get sick as a dog and have to run to the bathroom. I was sick my whole pregnancy. And he was like, not what you wanted. And I'm like, no. And he would say, well, what do you want? And I'm like, McDonald's or Mexican. You know, I mean, that's what I craved the whole entire time. We would eat somewhere, and we would go by McDonald's. And I'm like, ooh, some McDonald's french fries would be really good. <laughs> but so we went on, got over that little hump. And in July, they found out that my cervix was opening on the inside. I was not even 24 weeks at this time. So they went in and they told me that they needed to do a circlage to hold, you know, my cervix together, which is a stitch that they just do in your cervix. Um, and they put me in recovery that night. Um, they had to give me a spinal to do it. They put me in recovery that night, and the only people that was in there was me and Kevin. So they let, you know, our parents, you know, come in there and everything. She kept coming back and back and back, and she was like, can you feel anything? I was like, well, I feel like my kneecap's up, you know, and she was like, okay, 11 o'clock, she come in there, like, she said, can you feel anything? I said, well, I still can't feel my feet, and she said, well, you have to get up and go to the bathroom before you get home, and she said, it's almost midnight, she said, it's midnight, she said, if you're still numb, she said, you're going to have to stay here, I looked at Kevin, I said, I'm not staying here, so my mom was there, like I say, I looked at my mom, and I looked at Kevin, and I said, when she comes back in here, I said, we're getting up and we're going to the bathroom. Kevin's like, you can't feel your feet. I said, I don't care. I said, what have you carrying me on one side? What have you carrying me on the other? We're going to the bathroom and we're going home. And that's what we did. <laughs> we had a hard time kind of getting in the house that night because I still couldn't feel my feet, but we made it. <laughs> so after that, um, I was on complete bed rest. Um, I mean, I couldn't do nothing, couldn't go anywhere was off my feet. The only time that I could be on my feet is if I was up, you know, just kind of walking into the bathroom or walking here or, or walking there. Other than that, I could not. Um, they, my high-risk doctors was doing um, ultrasounds every week, you know, kind of keep a check. So I'd have to go into them every week for them to do an ultrasound. So shortly after they did the stitch, they found out the stitch was really not working. So they said, we need to go in and we need to do a pesare. And a pesare is just kind of like a mesh that they put up in you just to kind of take the pressure and hold the pressure, you know, off 
of the cervix to keep it from, um, you know, not having a lot of pressure, you know, on it. So they did that, and they started preparing me for the NIC unit, um, telling me, you know, what we could expect if I didn't make it to 24 weeks. Um, at the week that I was at then, it was only like a 20% chance survival rate if I had gone into labor. Um, the next step was like a 20. Every week that you went up was another like 10%. So we finally got to 24 weeks. They was pushing me for 24 weeks. You gotta go, ooh, you gotta go 24 weeks. 24 weeks is the 50% chance survival rate. So we would count. Every week we would go in, they was like, you made it 23, come on, one more week, come on, one more week. And so they, they were really good. They counted with me, you know, and everything, and I finally made it to 24 weeks. So in August, they went ahead and they um, suggested the, sh the steroid shots to get the lungs developed and everything, just in case I should go into labor early. So we went in for the steroid shots the next day. I hate shots. I can't stand shots. I hate needles. Cannot stand them. I'm the biggest baby when it comes to that. So they went to give me my steroid shot, and I looked at Kevin, and I went. He come over there, and I was like, give me your hand. I took his hand. They gave me the steroid shots. They hurt. <laughs> the first steroid shot, Kevin said, can you tell me where the ER is? I think she broke my hand. <laughs> So the next day I had to go back and have another steroid shot, which I think I broke his hand again. So August went on. I went in for a um, another ultrasound, and they did the ultrasound, and they told me and Kevin that there was a spot on Kaylee's brain, and that Kaylee might not be right. The doctor told us that we had two options. The first option was just to deal with, you know, whatever's wrong with her, you know. Or the second option was to abort her. I looked at him and I said, no. No, there is no way that I will abort my child. I said, God has given us this child. And that whatever is wrong with her, we will deal with it. It's my child. And she told me, she's, he told me that day, he said, I want you just to go home and I want you to think about it. When you come in next week, you give me your opinion and you give me your choice. I said, there's no choice about it. I said, I'm telling you now, my choice is no. I was like, whatever it is, it is. So we went ahead. We left that day. I called friends. I called family. At the time, we was going to Calumet. We called Calumet. And we was like, please pray. Please pray. Please pray. We went back in the next week. They did the ultrasound, and it was gone. It was gone. I'm telling you, it was God. It, it was God, but it was gone. And I think about now that if we had 
aborted Kaylee. We wouldn't have her just because something was wrong with her, just because that she had this spot. It goes to show you doctors know what they know because they're a knowledge and what they've learned. But God's the only one that knows, guys. He is the only one that knows. And I am so glad that mine and Kevin's faith was not abortion. That we was going to deal with what we had to deal with. So we went ahead. Everything was good. September I had to go back to the hospital because they said that I was having some contractions but I wasn't really feeling them. Um, I had protein in my urine just all that kind of stuff and so we did that in September. October was good. We, we didn't have anything in October so we was cruising along and we went for um, they went ahead and made my C-section appointment and all that in November because of twins they don't let you go 40 weeks. Um, they deliver you usually anywhere from 36 to 38 weeks. So they told me that my C-section would be the week of Thanksgiving. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We went in on November the 13th. They did the ultrasound. And they told me, they was like, something is wrong. Um, we would like to do an amniocentesis. Again, me being deathly afraid of needles, I was like, you know what? I've had everything else done. Why not? So they went ahead. They did the amniocentesis and everything. They wanted to make sure that the kids' lungs were developed. And they were. And the problem that I was having was from the problems that I had had in Jean from the tear in the placenta, the blood flow was decreasing to baby A, which was casein. And they told me that if I would go any longer, that I would have a stillborn. So, like I say, they told me the lungs were developed, everything was good, and that we were having the babies tomorrow. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I was like, we've spent all this time trying to keep these babies in here. I said, I still got two weeks. I said, so you're telling me we're having the babies tomorrow? And they were like, mm-hmm. I said, Okay, so we come home, we get ready and everything. They told us to be at the hospital that afternoon, and we were like, okay. So we went on into the hospital on November the 14th. A little bit before 4, we had a boy and a girl twins. Everything was good. They were healthy, everything. That night, after everybody had gone, well, first of all, they put us in a suite. Well, they put us in a room. And they had this suite, like, I called it like a hotel kind of suite room. And um, they had put us in this, just like a little individual room and everything. And we both got big families. So the suite come available, and he, the lady, she was cleaning it, you know, and everything. And you walked into this one little room, and it had a couch and like chairs and all this kind of stuff where your family could see it and then you would go into my room you know like you know where the babies and everything me and the baby were 
So Kevin comes and he says, we're going to the suite. I said, no, we ain't. He said, Kelly, he said, we are going to the suite room. I said, no, we are not. I said, we're staying right here. I was on pain medication. He said, I'm telling you, we're going to the suite. I said, I'm not moving. I'm staying right here in this room. The nurse, she looked at me and she said, honey, why don't you want to go to the suite? I said, that means I have to move beds again and I am hurting. And she said, no, honey. She said, we'll just roll you in the bed that you're in right into this suite. I said, okay, we'll go. So they rolled us in the suite. Everybody had gone that night. Kevin, it was just me and Kevin. I busted out crying. He was like, what is wrong with you? I said, I haven't even gotten a whole case because Kason was having problems with his blood sugar. So he goes down to the nursery, he comes back, and he brings me Kason. And I got to hold him just for a few minutes. They come in at 1 o'clock in the morning, and they said that they had to take Kason to the NIC unit, that he was having problems with his blood sugar and couldn't, you know, keep it up. So he went to the NIC unit. Kaylee was having problems with her temp, so she kind of had to stay in the nursery a lot. So my doctor come in on... I guess it was that Monday, because I had them on Friday on that Monday. And she said, do you know how long the babies are going to be here? And I said, well, I said, I think they're going to be here just a couple more days. And she said, well, when the nurses come in, she said, make your blood pressure something go up. She said, that way, she said, I can get you a couple more days, you know, with the babies and you don't have to go home, you know. And I was like, okay. Shortly after they come in, my blood pressure was sky high. They wrote me in for a couple more days. I went home on a Tuesday. Kaylee went home on a Thursday. And Kaysen come home the following week, Kevin? Yeah, Kevin and Kaysen come home the following week. You talk about having to go home from the hospital without your babies. It is the worst feeling ever. So, when we all got home, everything was good. We kind of had to take Kaysen, you know, back and forth, you know, to the doctor for a couple of days and we were seeing um, Dr. Sanders at Easley, um, not Easley, um, Children's Medical Center in Powdersville. They had stuck his heel so many times, his heel looked like a pincushion. Finally, she said, I'm not doing this anymore. She said, this is the signs to look for. She said, if you have any of these signs, she said, you bring him back to me. She said, if not, she said, go home and be a family. From this day on, knock on wood, Kaysen has not had any more problems with blood sugar or anything. And we actually finally got to come home and be a family. <laughs> so I say all that to say this. If you've had a miscarriage or God has told you that you would never get pregnant, don't give up. The doctors don't know. Only the good Lord in heaven knows. Thank you. I've often joked um, with, with them that when Cason, uh, when he's ready to have to hand, hand me downs, to go ahead and send me his uh, his his shirts and and, and everything, and and um, they are certainly a uh, a wonderful family, and I just want to emphasize that God did that, and I and to God be the glory, and I'm grateful for life, and um, and 
we are fearfully and wonderfully made, as we're going to see here in just a moment. Uh, we have several things to be in prayer for, and, um, and the urgency of the hour is, is to pray for the unborn and to pray for life. So I would invite those of you who would to come and join me around the altar this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer. Whatever burdens you may have, uh, let's bring them this morning, and let's call on the Lord as we go to God in prayer. Our loving, gracious, heavenly Father, we come before you and we acknowledge that you're the great physician, you're the great creator. And Lord, we thank you that you breathe life into man. You made us in your image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I thank you, Lord, for Kelly and Kevin's story, the Fowler's story this morning that has been shared. We give you praise and glory. Thank you, God, for your hand and for the, mir the miracle of life and we just are so grateful, Lord, for what you have done. And God, I pray that we'll continue to look to you and let you work and do your work. And Lord, as the church, we, we call on your name on behalf of, of the unborn. And God, I pray that, that you'll work. And, and Lord, I pray that, that abortion would become illegal across our land. God, have mercy on, it, on us, Lord. That, since 1972, Lord, there's been too many lives, God, that's been taken that never had a chance. And Lord, a mother's womb ought to be the safest place, but God, that doesn't seem to be the case. And we pray for, for the unborn, Lord. We, we pray for all life, all human life, Lord, for those living in their final days, perhaps even those, Lord, that doesn't know who's around and what's going on, Lord. We, we see that, but Lord, there's, there's also an unseen grace by your hand as well. And so... Lord, I just pray for life. We celebrate life today. And then we think about eternal life, God, that we can have through you, the bread of heaven. And so, Lord, I just ask for your help and strength. I pray for your mercy, dear Lord. And God, I pray for those that are sick and those that are quarantined, not able to be with us today. I pray for your hand of protection. Lord, put a hedge of protection about our church family. We pray for the, uh, Evelyn Beeson's family, Lord. Thank you for her life. 101 years, Lord. We just are grateful for the time, Lord, that you allowed her to, to be here on earth. We thank you for her life, and we pray for her family, Lord. Thank you for her faithfulness, her and Jim's faithfulness to our church. We just ask that you would be merciful, Lord, to their family. Gretchen, Wiley, Lord, we lift them up to you. And we just thank you, Lord, for everlasting life we have through Jesus. We ask, God, that you'll help us today as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. While those are making their way back, let's fellowship together. Tell somebody you love them this morning. You're glad to see them.
If you'll join with me as we sing Because He Lives. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to
Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you that life is worth the living. Not because of money, not because of popularity, not because of relationships, but because you live. Thank you, Lord, for the victory that's ours through Jesus. And that's why we're here today. Lord, we worship you. And now as we come to a portion of the service where we give back to you what you've so richly blessed us with, Lord, I pray that we'll do it with cheerful hearts and out of an act of worship to you. And we pray you'll take and receive it, Lord, and, and do with it as you please for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you'll turn with me to Psalm 139, and I want to preach to you a message this morning entitled, Every Life is Valuable. This morning, as we look in this psalm, we'll notice how the greatness of our Creator God and how He places value on every human life. I mean, you just see very vividly the hand of God involved in even the mother's womb. When you compare Psalm 139 with the reality we constantly see on the TV screen, the movie screen, even on the internet, or maybe even uh, magazine covers, there really is a shocking contrast. Much of our culture is deaf to God and His Word, which has led many uh, to, to, to just kind of grow numb to the value of, of human life. It callously refers to a life growing in the womb as tissue, and not a life or not a child. It glorifies violence and sexual perversion. It ignores increasing threats to the elderly and other human beings who are vulnerable. For a lot of Christians, uneasy questions include, what can be done? How can I make a difference? We confess our belief in God, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and our devotion to the Bible as the perfect treasure of God's truth, yet often we struggle with putting God's truth into action. You know, not just being a hearer of the Word, but a doer of the Word. Well, we can start by understanding clearly what the Bible teaches concerning the way God values human life. And we'll find it here very clearly in Psalm 139. So this morning, I want us to look very quickly at four principles about how every life is valuable. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you in Jesus' name, Lord, for your word. It is true. And I pray, Lord, that we'll receive it this morning. God, we ask for your touch, for your anointing hand. God, that you would speak. And God, that we would be open today and place our faith in you and be led by you. And Lord, do whatever you lead us to do, Lord, for your glory and our good. Help us, Lord Jesus, again we ask in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, I want us to see, first of all, here in this psalm, the first six verses, that every life is worth knowing. Look at this with me as uh, the Psalm of David declares. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have 
hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I'm sure you've heard people say a lot about someone. I didn't know that about them. Maybe they found out about a particular hobby. Maybe they can play golf well, or maybe they can sing well, or maybe they work well with wood, or maybe they can paint or draw well. And, and you know, people might say, well, I didn't know that about them. Well, I want you to know that God knew that about them. God knows all about us. He never says, I didn't know that about them. You know, He knows everything about you. God has given you those interests and, and those uh, gifts and those abilities. David begins here in Psalm uh, 139 and verse 1 by stating how he knew the Lord in a real personal way. David knew the Lord because the Lord intentionally searched him out and knew him in a real personal way. I love how verse 2 reveals that God's knowledge of David included ordinary dull habits that we probably wouldn't even care about like his sitting down and his rising up. God knows. The Lord knows that you have taken your seat here in this sanctuary this morning. The Lord knows when we rise and the Lord knows when we sit. God takes an interest. Every life is worth knowing. And of course the Lord knows. The Lord, even though he appears to be far away, knew David's thoughts. Not, you know, not that um, we think, well, there's, there's nothing God doesn't know. Well, he knows your, your very thought. Why? Because he takes an interest in you. You're a life worth knowing. There's nothing about you that God doesn't know. That's, that's comforting. But it's also threatening that God knows our thoughts. Lord, help my thoughts. Help our thoughts to be thoughts that will honor you. Because our thoughts is where it begins. This is the battleground, our thoughts. Because if I think it, I can do it. And sometimes maybe our thoughts are not godly. And that leads us to live ungodly. But Lord, help my thoughts. God, you know all my thoughts. Because, not because you're nosy, but because you're God. And you, you know us. We're a life worth knowing and help my thoughts help our thoughts to honor God to think on things that are good and holy and right and virtuous things not things that are ungodly God knows verse 4 shows that God knows our speech even before we talk this should give us a pause before we speak God knows our motivation he knows our attitude and he knows our speech uh, Clayton King once said never miss an opportunity to keep your mouth shut <laughs> just because you think it doesn't mean that you should say it. God knows our thoughts. He knows our words. And I pray that our thoughts and our ways and our words would glorify God because He knows. And why does He know all of that? Because you're alive, I'm alive, we're alive, that's worth knowing. God takes an interest in that. Also, verses 5 and 6 shows that God viewed David from every angle, front, back, side. God also encircled David with attention and with concern. God knows. We, we may think at times that God doesn't know or God doesn't care. The Holy Spirit will never tell you that. The evil one wants you to think that God doesn't know or he doesn't care. But I see here in verses 5 and 6 that God viewed David from every angle. God knew everything, even things about David that David probably didn't even care about. We know there's a passage of Scripture that reminds us that God knows the very number of hairs that are on our head. For some of us, that's a lot, and for some of us, it's not. But, you know, I, those, are, those are facts that we probably don't care about, but God does. You're a life worth knowing. But also, verses 7 through 10, every life is worth relating to. Look at this with me in verse 7. 
Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of, this, of, of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I love how David found a sense of comfort and assurance that there was no place he could go and not be in God's presence. Nowhere. We can't run from God. He's, he's everywhere. Why is that? God, is, God sees us as a life worth relating to. There's nowhere that we can go where God isn't. David wasn't wanting to flee or wasn't wanting to run from God. He was extremely encouraged that no matter where he was or could be, God would be with him. The same is true for us today. My son, Matthew, is at North Greenville, not feeling well, and, and is sick. And, and, and I think about every time he leaves the house, and we were able to spend some extended time last weekend because of the storm. It's just always great to have him home. But I'm always often reminded, as we sang this morning, because he lives, how sweet it is to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still, the calm assurance to know that he lives. And, and so as we think about uh, these, these precious lives, and yes, my son's 20 years old, but he's still my baby. You understand what I'm saying? And so he's, he's away, and he's pursuing his calling, and he's seeking God's will. But I find calm assurance in knowing that there's nowhere that he can go where God's not. God's with him, and how wonderful that is. And, and so if you have students or you have kids here today, how wonderful it is to know that there's nowhere that they can go where God's not. Even in the mother's womb, before they're even born, God is there. Every life is worth relating to. And so um, we, we see that here in verse 7 through 10. E everywhere, there's nowhere that we can flee from His presence. He's there. Whether in heaven, uh, we, we talk about the highest point or the lowest point, hell, be, wherever. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, guess what? He is there. Even your hand shall lead me, David says, and your right hand shall hold me. God is faithful. I think about Miss Beeson, 101 years old, and, and she came to that hour when she needed the Lord the most. And guess what? He didn't desert her. He was there to call her home. And the Bible even says that it's precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Precious. So God is faithful and God is with us wherever we go and I'm grateful for that he's promised to never leave us and never forsake us and the reason for that is because every life is worth relating to we'll jump down to verses 13 through 16 I want you to see that every life is purposeful from beginning to end notice this as uh, as we look down at verse 13 for you formed my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being unformed. And in your book, they, are, they, they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. David saw himself as a unique creation of God. He knew that God himself had made him. The Lord formed my inward parts. God made you the same way. 
It was God that formed your inward parts. God doesn't make junk. Every human being is valuable because we were created. God formed us in our inward parts. The same is true this morning as it was for David as it is for us. When David thought about his response, his response was then to praise God. We need to praise God this morning. God created us. God formed our inward parts. And David goes on to say that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. David knew that his beginning didn't start when he was born. It was when he was in his mother's womb. It was there the hand of God fearfully and wonderfully made David. It was there when you were in your mother's womb that the hand of God fearfully and wonderfully made you. Oh, we saw that as, as uh, Kelly was reminding us about, about Kaylee, that spot. What happened? The hand of God was fearfully and wonderfully at work and heard the prayers of the saints of God and, and did a work that only God could do. The hand of God knit us together, formed our inward parts, and we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The same is true every one of us this morning. We can praise God this morning for that same reason because God made us our inward parts. Long before sonogram technology, David knew what the intricate formation of a human being was and it's a mystery that happened in secret or in the mother's womb. And so verse 16 states that God knew how long David would live. And the Lord was even willing and was even writing down his days before he even lived any of those days. God knew. This morning I, I, I see Reed back there. They're, they're taking the, the baby out and um, there's another precious life that... I know, I know. Reed, come on in here, man. We're celebrating life this morning. <laughs> is, he, is he still there? Come, come on in here, Blair. I know, I know you don't get embarrassed about it. Come on in here. We're celebrating life this morning. And, um, and I'm grateful. Uh, what, what a blessing this morning. Isn't it great this morning as you see that precious life in that car seat? Mom and dad holding that precious life that was given to them by the hand of God. What a blessing this morning. Amen. Praise God for life this morning. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to call you in, but we just want to celebrate life and celebrate with y'all the hand of God. And, and so God bless you. I know that you, I know that you got to take care of, of, of the baby, but we just, we just want to celebrate with you this morning. God bless. And the hand of God, even before sonogram, David, David's able to, by the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is able to think about his life even before he was born in his mother's womb. David even knew how long he was going to live, or God knew how long David was going to live before he was ever born. And so David is praising God for creating him with a purpose in mind. God's got a purpose for us in mind as well. And so what we need to do as we celebrate life is to make sure that we seek out that purpose. Well, in closing, jump down with me to verses 23 through 24. I want us to see that every life is accountable to God. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't it interesting that Psalm 139, at the beginning, David acknowledged that God had searched him and knew him, knew all these interesting things about him, now at the end of the psalm, David is inviting God to search him and know him. 
Even though God already knew David's heart, David's prayer shows how he was open and not closed to God's correction and God's, even God's testing. Search me, God, and know me. Try me. If there's any wicked way, David's desire was to live godly and was to honor God. That's the purpose right there. Why did God make us and create us? Have his hand knitting us in our mother's womb, forming our inward parts, fearfully and wonderfully making us for one purpose, and that was to honor God and to worship God. You know, God's way is a lot better than our way. God's way. May God's will be done. May we seek God's will. And in the same way, David knew he was accountable to God. Lord, search me and try me. We're accountable to God. And I pray that we would invite the Lord to search our hearts this morning to try us. If there's anything that doesn't honor God, any wicked way within us, we'll desire to get right with God, to be right with God, to honor God. That's the ultimate purpose. You want meaning and purpose and happiness in life, then you seek God, worship God, and obey God's way. And God will bless. How encouraging is it for us this morning to know that every life is worth knowing, every life is worth relating to, every life is purposeful from beginning to end. Every life is accountable to God. I'm gonna ask every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. What a, what a touching, what a powerful reminder this morning about life. We celebrate life. We're created in God's image. God made us on purpose, the hand of God. And every one of us are the way that we are because God made us that way. And nobody can be you but you. You know, don't try to be somebody else. Be who God's created you to be. I want each of you this morning to know that God values you. He knows all about you because He takes an interest in you because He loves you. He cares for you. The Lord wants you to know that He wants to have a relationship, a personal relationship with you. We know this because of the cross. Jesus paid it all. What an amazing love. What an amazing grace. My question this morning is, do you know him? Maybe today you've come face to face with the reality that God made you on purpose. God loves you and he died for you on the cross. Do you know him today? And will you be accountable to the Lord? Yes, you will. We all are accountable to the Lord, our maker. And I pray that we'll trust him and honor him today. Heavenly Father, do today what only you could do. Lord, speak to us today. Help us to respond right now. We're reminded, Lord, we celebrate life. We celebrate, Lord, also a life that has gone home with you, Miss, Miss Beeson. And Lord, that day's coming for us. And may we have the assurance, God, that we look to you and we want to honor you. And right now, we invite you, Lord, to search us and try us as David did. And Lord, we worship you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together as Donna leads us? I encourage you to come. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting.
Marius, our musicians, if they'll continue to play. Do you have that assurance right now that you know your maker, the very one that made you? Do you know him this morning? If not, if God is speaking to your heart about salvation, now's the time. Don't delay. Today is the day of salvation. I encourage you to come. Maybe right now you just want to celebrate life and praise God for life. You think about those precious kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. You know, think about the, the, uh, the blessing of family this morning. You just want to give God thanks. The hand of God fearfully and wonderfully made us. You just want to worship your Creator. I encourage you to come by musician's place. Amen. Has your heart been touched this morning? Praise the Lord. Thank God for, uh, for his, his mighty hand and for his, uh, his miracle working hand. God is able. And um, I'm grateful for that. To God be the glory. And it's wonderful to know that we were made in his image, created on purpose to know God and to worship him. And so I pray today that you'll realize how valuable you are. You say, Pastor, how valuable am I to God? So valuable that he died. For you went to the cross for you that's pretty valuable nobody can say God doesn't love them the cross speaks otherwise and so I remind you about that I encourage you to come back tonight we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2 focusing on how Jesus is our all in all I know it's going to be you know it's cold outside but it's warm inside and again worship warms the heart so I encourage you to be back tonight there won't be any um, any choir practice and so um, our, our students are still quarantined but come on back and join us here uh, tonight, I hope you'll be back. And also, men, we have our prayer breakfast on Saturday morning at eight o'clock. And uh, Doug's going to be cooking. It's going to be a great breakfast. And looking forward to that time together. We'll uh, we'll enjoy time around the table, eating, eating some great physical food, and then uh, sharing some requests and a devotion time together, some spiritual food as well. And then we're going to uh, go around and change some light bulbs out and do some things around the church. And we encourage you to to come and. And be with us. There is a sign-up sheet out there at the Welcome Center. Please sign that if you'll come. That'll help Doug know as we prepare. Um, looking forward to that. And um, and also, um, I, I want to remind you about um, about our um, marriage retreat. Uh, we we had to cancel that. Uh, we just didn't feel like now's a good time to to do that. But we replaced it with um, with a couple's dinner. And you'll see information. It'll be on a on a Saturday, March 19th, I believe it is. And you'll see that out there. Uh, sign up sheet for that as well so um, our chili cook-off as well I, I, I don't want to forget that uh, that's coming up on February 13th so so you bring those pots of chili and sign up and, and there'll be prizes for uh, for top uh, finishers and, and everything and uh, so it's going to be a great time of fellowship and that's available at the Welcome Center as well God bless you have a wonderful day and I look forward to seeing you tonight Donna